Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome in to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com, your stop for all your Carolina apparel needs. We are joined by Don Callahan for another episode of the UNC Football Recruiting Podcast. What's going on, Don? Uh, not too much. Made a short trip to the beach this past weekend, um, and that's really it. What about you? Did you do anything special? Did you see any bears? <laughs> no bears this time. I went to the beach as well for one day, and then I went to a, uh, a lake house one day as well. What beach um, you go to? We drove to Curie Beach for like just one day, not even a night. Where'd you go? I go to uh, Atlantic Beach just nice. real quick. Uh, my wife's friend had a baby, and we thought she lived in New Bern, but she lived in Greenville, or, or the hospital was in Greenville. I don't, I don't know. All I know <laughs> is that we ended up in Greenville yesterday, but uh, went to Atlantic Beach because it's closer to New Bern. So. My friend, my friend, a, a podcast listener, shout out Wayne House, also had a baby this week as well. A loyal Carolina fan, a big podcast listener. So shout babies, out to the it's that babies. Time of the year, yeah. Right? When are you going to have some babies, Ron? <laughs> I don't know. That's a ways away. Um, good stuff. Got the pleasantries out of the way. It's time to get down to business. Don, you posted uh, one of the probably one of the most read and, and most highly anticipated articles you do for inside carolina your mock class um you do a couple a year correct uh yes it depends on um i guess we do more than a couple yeah i'd um, say what three or four or five a, a year per class yeah it depends i think last year and the year before that we did a bunch this year obviously we this is our first one and it's kind of late so we'll probably only do a, a, a few but yeah we, we try to do them every so often when there's kind of like i guess uh different times of the calendar where where it fits in but yes we Good do a stuff. so we're gonna spend a lot of time kind of breaking down the mock class which is on uh insidecarolina.com it is a premium article so we're gonna not reveal too much but we'll definitely get into the process of it and explore some of the players you picked and why um that's gonna be the majority of the podcast we're also gonna talk about official summer official visits which is a new part of the uh recruiting calendar and the impact of that on um, on players, on teams, on programs, and how they kind of how that affects recruiting now uh, in the second year of that. Then we'll dive into our top five, and the top five we're going to read this time is the one we gave to y'all on the last episode. Um, it's the top five recruiting territories for UNC. What's most important to hit, um, and then we're going to lay out the next top five, which we picked. Don and I picked. It's going to be which freshmen or redshirt freshmen are going to have the most impact on UNC season in 2019. So that's yes, UNC five, players. Five of them. Five. Top five, which uh, uh, incoming freshmen slash redshirt freshmen to players who have not played yet will have the most impact on the 2019 season. That will be what we'll go over next time. So that's the show. That's the layout right now. And we're going to dive into the um, – mock class now so so one thing we want to talk about don is, is your process of how this comes together um obviously you're talking to sources you're talking to players you're talking to coaches high school coaches can you kind of give us a breakdown of, of how this comes together your process and um, obviously it evolves and changes throughout the year well i have a i guess a running 
uh, mock class of my own that uh, just in my notes that um, I've been actually doing for years and years and years, way before I even started the mock class. Um, but basically when I, when I kind of come to the conclusion, okay, I'm going to run the, the new one. I, it's, it's, it feels like a good time. There's, you know, things have died down a little bit. We're about to get to, you know, we're kind of in the, the quiet before the next storm. Um, that's when I kind of look at my current mock class and then talk to, talk to some recruits, talk to some, um, sources, talk to, you know, high school coaches, parents, all that sort of stuff, just to kind of get a feel for where things are. And, and they're definitely, I mean, a lot of people have asked, well, why don't you just kind of post where things stand today? And I just don't feel one, I don't feel that comfortable because, you know, there, I, until I do a deep dive into certain situations, it might not be accurate. And the other thing is, is that, um, you know, some of some of the posts and messages aren't all that forgiving. If uh, a few days go by and someone on the mock class might commit or whatever, and I didn't get a chance to update it, but but really, um, I want to I want to spend enough time to make sure what I'm putting out there is is the the best information I get. And there was a couple of changes. You know, for example, um, now this obviously would have changed at the last minute, but um, uh, Jameer Gibbs, who ended up committing to Georgia Tech this past Friday, I was heading into I guess this is because this is a, about a week long process when I'm going through the the whole, um, you know, I guess, investigation. I was down to um, Elijah Green and Jameer Gibbs for that for that second running back spot. And after talking to a bunch of sources, um, including Elijah Green and then and then some sources close to North Carolina, I went with Elijah Green just because it seemed like UNC was really making him a priority and he was really receptive to um, the efforts that North Carolina put into him, whereas uh, Gibbs didn't seem so receptive. And the interesting thing is that the sources I spoke to felt like South Carolina was uh, the team to beat and he ended up committing to in-state Georgia Tech. But anyway, so that's just an example of just, um, I guess, something that could change based off some of the the additional investigations that I do heading up to an actual post of the mock class. But for the most part, I mean, I have a mock class in my notes that I, that I update you know, just generally speaking, if I talk on the phone this afternoon with someone and, and what they say affects that, I will make that reflect that on my, my personal mock class. So let's say you have two players you're kind of, um, you know, kind of debating between. You got, you mm-hmm. got a guy that, you know, two guys you think equally could go to UNC. What kind of splits the difference there? I mean, how do you decide uh, when it comes down to two, two players that, you know, that you're really conflicted about? It it's really depends on the situation. I mean, obviously, I'm talking to you know those who are close to those guys um, because some of it might be. I, I guess the ultimate tiebreaker, if it comes down to this, is who's going to commit first. Because in a lot of these situations, you're kind of splitting hairs. I know the fans look at it, and one guy might be ranked fifth in the nation, and they want to rank 25th, and they think you know there's a huge gap in them. But in reality, there isn't. Um, so it, it comes down to who's going to commit first. But really, you know, I talk to those close to um, those guys to kind of get a feel for, you know, what are the chances? I mean, you know, UNC might lead, but how big of a gap is it between UNC and, and the school behind it? And then I'll talk to sources close to UNC. What's what's the preference here? Um, you know, who who fits better? Who would you like to commit? And and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's really... Um, 
you're kind of like a, a bunch of different things that I'm doing. And it really, and sometimes I'll talk to all these people and still don't have like a great feeling. And I tend to just say, okay, I'm going, I'm going with this guy for this route. Cause, cause usually, I mean, some things just kind of fit pretty easily. And then yeah. in some, some situations you're, you're like, okay, um, you know, you know, like you said, like I said with the running back example, you have two guys for one spot or you get like in the defensive back spot. I wanted to have a a fourth um, DB and I went with Elijah Gaines and, you know, Elijah Gaines definitely has interest in UNC. UNC definitely has interest in Gaines, but he hasn't visited yet. Um, and, uh, you know, there it's not like a lock. I mean, he could easily go to. Michigan coming up and, and, and switch, but it was one of those things where I had to find a guy and I just kind of looked at the pool of guys, researched those guys and felt like, all right, I feel most comfortable with Elijah Gaines at this, at this, but I don't feel, I'm not like, you know, dead set on that. If that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, having covered recruiting, there's guys that pop up, you know, in December that you haven't heard of yeah, um, or November. So like you look at this class now and there's names that are not even on Don's, um, radar right now that will eventually become UNC commits. Um, and that's why you got to take it with a grain of salt. And it's just funny now because you'll see these names and all of a sudden some commit to a different school and then new players come into the picture. And of course, when it, when it comes down to signing day, that those last couple of months, uh, a lot of things change. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you look at just last class, just all the new names that popped up and I, and the coaching ch- change had a lot to do with that, but there was just a ton of new names that were not even on UNC's radar, let alone my radar this you know this time last year for sure. Good stuff. All right, so let's get into your uh, your class. Of course, this is on InsideCarolina.com on the premium message board. Definitely one of the selling points that you want to check out with a membership, um, kind of the more exclusive scoop type stuff along with Sherelle's uh, weekly basketball scoop, I think are two of the, the better uh, features on the site. Um, so my question was, it just seems like, you know, we've, we've, had, we've done two episodes together and we talked about Des Evans and Miles Murphy and we did the top five last week of the most desirable players with Kedri, Bigley Jones and all the other guys. And it seems like you're including all these kind of top in-state guys, Trenton, Simmons being, Trenton Simpson being another one. Um, so it seems like a very positive class. And I, I actually received a text from a buddy that said, where is it? Oh, that D-line class would be epic, uh, is what he texted a uh, group chat I'm in. And that's because you included a lot of these top four-star, five-star in, in-state defensive linemen. So why do you think um, and why did you make this class? It seems very positive, very optimistic. Um, and it's going to end up being, if this class holds, it's going to end up being a, a very, very good class for UNC. What went into that kind of mindset? And, and I guess more so, uh, why is that? And what does that mean for UNC trending a certain way in recruiting? Well, I mean, what it means is is that <laughs> what Mac Brown, that's the easiest question. So I'll, I'll answer that first, um, is that Mac Brown, what he his his dream, his vision for North Carolina is coming to fruition or, already. And really, you know, we've talked about this a bunch of times that, you know, that first class, first full class for a new coach ends up being the, the one of the better ones, if not the best one. Usually most coaches end up being their best. Um, if they go on to more success on the field and everything, then obviously that class is, is surpassed. But, um, and the reason being is that 
Mac Brown and other first year head coaches don't have to contend with the record. The record is thrown out the window because everybody's you know blames it on the previous coach. And you can promise this and that. You can promise playing time. Everything is kind of working in your favor when when you're a first time coach. So that that's the one thing. the The other thing is is really, and I agree, this would be an unbelievable defensive line class. And um, it's really, you know, if you look at it as a whole, that yeah, you're like, wow, that's 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 surprising. But then if you look at each individual recruit, then it then um, it, it kind of tells this, the story a little bit better. You know, Kedrick Bickley Jones, for example, is a guy that, you know, that has really him and his father and his father's very, very um, influential in his recruitment have really fallen in love with Mac Brown and Mac Brown's vision and the the new um, vibe there in, in Chapel Hill. And yes, he's going to take some visits. I'm definitely not saying that that uh, you know, he's a silent commit to North Carolina or anything like that. But I think privately. I think North Carolina is probably the team to beat in, the, in this recruitment. Again, he has some official visits coming up in June that are going to be crucial and could change things. But I feel like, as, as we stand today, UNC is, um, is definitely a team to beat. You know, Miles um, Murphy is a guy we talked about last week, you know, another four-star in-state defensive lineman. And I felt like he came close to tell me that UNC was his leader when I, when I went by his school. And I mentioned this on the, on the message board also. So, I mean, that, that's, that's another situation where, yeah, he's going to take a bunch of official visits and, um, and things can change, but it's looking really good. Now, Des Evans is one that's, um, was a little bit harder to decipher. And, um, yeah, I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me where he ends up to be honest with you, especially, you know, if it's either North Carolina or NC state, I feel like, those are probably the two schools. I feel like he does want to stay close to home, um, but yet he's going to take a bunch of visits this summer that are going to kind of affect those sort of feelings. But, um, you know, it, that was a situation where, um, you know, talking to people and just seeing where, where, their, where their thoughts are, where they thought that uh, Des was leaning, what, what his steps are going to be, what's coming up. And, and you know, I – I wouldn't put money on it, but I feel like UNC is definitely right as we stand right now. If Sunday were today, I feel like UNC would be would be the selection for sure. Um, but again, all these visits, he hasn't taken a whole lot of out of state visits. Once he takes some official visits and some of these visits are uh, visits outside of the state, then um, things can really change, you know, quickly, especially for a kid kid of his caliber. Yeah, I mean, you look at this class. And this is kind of what I talked about last week. Like you have you have so many good defensive linemen targets in state and so unc is certainly trying to take advantage of that with des evans miles murphy right down the road kedrick bigley jones in bingley jones in charlotte um quentin williams another guy um in charlotte as well so it it's been it's um you know, very beneficial that they have these guys in state, and that makes it a lot easier to recruit these guys. The um, the other guy I want to mention before you go on to your next question, um, AJ uh, Beatty uh, from actually Pittsburgh. He's a one um, out of state defensive lineman that I included on on this uh, mock class. Coincidence or not, I think it was last night he tweeted out asking if anyone knew how to make a commitment video, and so. That tweet is right in between my mock class and his scheduled official visit to North Carolina, which is not this weekend, but the following weekend. So, so things definitely, there is some, some, um, I guess, uh, 
substance to some of these selections that I made. They're, I'm not just trying to make people happy. People who've been following this for a long time know that I tr- I tend to be on the conservative, if if anything. But I mean, just the all my research is just pointing me to this these directions. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, my next kind of observation was uh, it was some names I didn't know was this the O line class. They have um, well, let's see. I think two guys committed already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dre Zimmerman and Malik McGowan, and you have two other guys, Anthony Carter and Timothy Lawson. What's the deal with those guys? Where are they coming from, and, and why did you include those two players? Because I, I don't cover I don't cover recruiting anymore, and I'm not huge into it. And these were new names for me. Um, obviously, we haven't talked about those guys. So where did that kind of come from? Well, with Carter, he's a guy that uh, you know the prior staff offered, and then the new staff. Uh, re i guess validate it validate that offer for him but he's one of the few in-state guys i think he might be the only in-state 2020 guy who has yet to visit north carolina under mac brown he's made a couple of visits prior to mac brown's hire and a lot of it is just you know um logistics with travel and his parents uh, work schedule and everything like that hasn't been able to work out but he hasn't made a whole lot of visits and um, he definitely holds UNC in high regard. And, and when you talk to those close to him, they say the same thing. So that's kind of one of those situations where, where I mentioned earlier, where it's like, okay, you have two O-line spots. I don't feel like, okay, this guy is a shoe-in for any of these two guys. But you look at the, the pool of, of guys that you're, you're working with and you say, okay, which two of these guys do I feel best with? And these end up being the two guys. Now, Timothy Loss is a guy that, if you just look at his recruitment as it stands today, I think if it stands today, he ends up committing to or, or signing with uh, Louisville if, if signing day were today because Louisville is the leader. But Louisville is the leader because they have already held their official visit with uh, Lawson, and he has an official visit scheduled with North Carolina in a couple weeks, um, the same weekend as A.J. Beattie. Um, and he still he has some other official visits, NC State and Rutgers and, and all that sort of stuff. So, again, a lot of this is just I, I take those those that pool of offensive linemen that are offered. I say, OK, let me, I have to find the two that UNC has the best shot with. And, and those were the two that um, that I grabbed. Good stuff. Good stuff. OK, so the next thing we kind of talked about a little bit off the air was the um, inclusion of Josh Downs, a verbally committed wide receiver from Georgia, I believe. And there's a little, uh, uh, I guess, question there because he took an official vi- uh, took a visit to South Carolina, but there was some confusion whether he did or not. Can you kind of dive into that topic? Because that's not even – that's related to this mock class, but it's also, I guess, some recruiting news with a, a pretty talented commitment that UNC has. Yeah, and you're just first, when it comes to commitments on this mock class, I have – I'm not opposed to not including them, but I have yet to not include a commitment. And and the reason being is it's just such a I, – I feel like I would have to have some really strong evidence that, that they aren't going to end up part of this class. And there have been times in the past where I've been like, all right, maybe I shouldn't include this guy. Um, but, uh, you know, I will definitely – unless I have just, you know, overall convincing – um, information that says, okay, this guy's not going to sign with North Carolina. I'll include them now. What, what if you? Uh, what if you didn't include Malik Hornsby? That would set the message boards on fire. Well, we probably would have one of our best uh, podcasts afterwards because um, everybody'd be talking about it. But yeah, no, right. you're right. I mean, it would be if and and Hornsby is a situation where 
you know, if you look at the fact that he's considering taking official visits, um, not to be too negative for anyone, but, uh, <laughs> and he's also, not only is he out of state, but he's really out of state and he's a national recruit that a lot of schools are still going hard after. But, um, but anyway, but with yeah. Downs in particular, to answer your question, yeah, so there was, I guess, a report from a couple of the South Carolina sites that said that he was going going to visit South Carolina. I guess it wasn't, th- well, obviously it wasn't this weekend, but the weekend prior, my, my weekends are starting to run together. But, um, and then, you know, the, the, I guess that Saturday comes and goes without much conversation about it. And um, also Downs kind of disappeared a little bit. Um, he's usually been pretty good about responding to things. Anytime I have a question uh, about anything, you know, he's very, very receptive. His one, one, I guess he's one of the, to me, he's one of the, the mo- more receptive recruits, but he all of a sudden just um, disappeared for a little bit, which made the situation seem even more crazy. But then again, South Carolina, the South Carolina sites weren't reporting anything. So finally down surface, I think on like that, that following Wednesday or Thursday and said that he did not visit anywhere that those, those reports were false. So, you know, end of story, right? So we made a post. And then, um, you know, some things just didn't add up uh, with, with what we were hearing. Um, nothing, nothing solid. So we did, did a little bit more digging, and we were able to talk to multiple, end up being multiple sources close to South Carolina that said he did indeed visit. He visited with a, with a friend. Um, so he did visit South Carolina that weekend. I haven't spoken to well i haven't spoken about that to down since then um so he hasn't i guess commented on that but yeah so he he visits south carolina i guess he wanted to keep it secret maybe it was i don't know i any any, anything i say would be speculation but um so you i mean you kind of saw it i guess play out on the message boards and i'm assuming you did there's what it's like a a huge um thread (laughs) on it i mean how many pages is it up to now like 15 pages I don't know. So, but basically, this guy told you he didn't visit, but he did visit. Yeah, he told me he did not visit. He said that. that the rep- done. Well, yeah. So, you know, hey, it's not the first time a recruit has lied to me. <laughs> well, maybe he just visited with a friend, and that was kind of you know how they say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not visiting for me. I'm I'm just tagging along. Well, and and that's the thing. If it were me or if I was advising him, I would just say, hey, if you went with a friend, just say, hey, my, my it's, it's a it's a 2021 kid. So he's a younger guy. I just was going to accompany my friend. That's it. You know, and um, and I don't think anybody would have would have thought twice about it. But then when you lie about it and then also you do all these things to your Twitter and and all that sort of stuff and start following people on Twitter, then everybody starts. I'm I'm not saying me. I'm just saying you know, UNC fans, you just look at the posters, you know, responses, they start to see that sort of stuff. And then they're like, okay, let's just cut bait or or whatever. I mean, there's just some crazy stuff that go on the message board when you, when you do all this sort of stuff. It doesn't, it's not a good look for sure. No matter how you want to say he's just a kid and yada, yada, all this sort of stuff. That's fine. I get it. I have kids. I understand. But uh, it's, it's just not a good look and could have been handed, handled a little bit better. I think. No one, no one lies to Don Callahan and gets away with it. That's what okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a quick break uh, and talk about Johnny T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They're our loyal podcast sponsor, and we, we sure appreciate their support here. Um, they are a Franklin Street, a local Chapel Hill tradition for over 35 years. They're locally and alumni owned, which is different than a lot of their competitors that are, are national 
brands that uh, that appeal to a lot of different schools. This is a UNC specific um, store, giantteacher.com. They're focused only on UNC. They have the best customer service and a great place to get all your UNC t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, everything you need for game day. So when you come to UNC, Chapel Hill for a visit, make sure to stop by Giant T-Shirt. Go to giantteacher.com if you want to order something online. And remember that all IC subscribers get 10% off with a discount that can be found on the premium message board. So it's definitely a, um, a perk for our subscribers. So Giant T-Shirt on Franklin Street and giantteacher.com uh, for all your apparel needs. Hey, hey Ross. Hey, yeah. Do you What's know up? Who like, do you know who likes Giant T-Shirt? Who? Buck Sanders. <laughs> was that too loud? There you go. That was great. I love it. Was uh, it too loud? All right, guys. No, that was good. Okay. We're back. All right, we're back, guys. Uh, that ad is over. And we're diving to the final segment of our podcast here. Um, and that's official visits. Summer official visits. A new uh, law, I guess, in, in the recruiting world. Um, you said last year UNC only had one guy visit in the summer. It was a very new thing, and that, that guy actually ended up committing to UNC. It was Tristan Miller, correct? Yes, yeah. As far as I know, I mean, there might be another one that I'm forgetting, but if, if I'm the only, my memory... The only signee, right? Yeah, definitely the only signee, and the crazy thing with that was that he actually was committed to NC State for the majority of the cycle and then flipped at yeah. the end because of some coaching changes. Great. So this is uh, this is a new thing. You have players uh, taking official visits in the summer when no students are here. Um, obviously, you're going to have you get more attention from the coaches. I, I'm sure the coaches kind of like that aspect where they're not having to worry about a game. Um, the staff can can 100 percent focus on the player. And even without this this new rule, you'd have tons of players take big time unofficial visits during the summer. Um, it's, it's a big visit time, but now they can be official. So Don, my question to you is how do you see this kind of affecting football recruiting in general? Uh, and then more, more specifically, how do you see it affecting, um, UNC and this 2020 class as more and more players expect to take official visits this summer to Chapel Hill? Yeah. You know, to be honest, I don't know how it's going to affect things because, um, so many are taking them now. I think one of the dangers is that you take all your official visits and then and then something happens with your recruitment and you can't visit schools towards the end. Now, they do have that rule where if a coaching change happens and you have already previously officially visited a school, then you can take a second official visit to the school, which is what Sam Howell actually did um, um, with North Carolina. Um, but, um, you know... It, there's other things that could happen that you would need official visits for. So it really remains to be seen. You know, I know for a while there, the USC was among actually the majority of, of schools that kind of was like, all right, if a guy absolutely must take an official visit, such as Tristan Miller last year, then we will have them take an official visit in, in um, the spring or summer. But for the most part, we want to keep it to the fall. And the reason being is if you have a kid who officially visits your school in June and then takes three other official visits in December and November, then you're at a disadvantage because that kid, especially with, with, with a high school kids, um, I guess, attention span, um, you know, back in June when he's making his, his decision in December is an infinity. So, um, but with some of these other guys and we have, I, I think it could get up to close to a, 
a dozen this year for sure. Um, but a lot of these situations, North Carolina has made sure that the kid is taking official visits elsewhere or taking the majority of his official visits elsewhere during the, the spring and summer months, uh, because then that way it lessens the chance of you being at a disadvantage. Um, so, uh, and if you can get a guy locked in by the end of the summer, not have to worry about him officially visiting any other schools, then, then you're in great shape. Uh, but obviously there's still that risk where, okay, maybe they're, they're done with their, all their official visits, but then they end up using unofficial visits um, later on. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see for me, just how things kind of play out to know what to expect uh, the, next year, because last year it seemed like you were only going to see a few and now you're going to, it, it seems like you're going to see almost, almost a dozen, at least from North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I just see it. I, I, I see it. A- having more players commit earlier in the summer. I mean, I, I think that's only like, cause people, this regency bias, they just, um, they feel like it's the place to be. They want to get their recruiting over with. They're not going to wait into this, into their football season. So they're going to take a couple official visits in the summer and then commit by July. That's what I see affecting it. And so with that, you might have more decommits as they take uh, unofficial visits in the fall for football games. Um, I, that's my opinion. I don't know if, if that's what you think or not. Yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, we've always had that, you know, you know, I guess late summer commitment streak, you know, you get, you get a lot yeah. in June when they're taking those camp visits and everything. And then there's some guys who are like, all right, I want to be committed before my senior season because I don't want an injury to, to have me lose some scholarship offers or things fill up or whatever, or, or I want to focus on my senior season or whatever. So a lot of guys commit towards the end. Um, so you still have the same issues. I just think it's going to make things a lot more complicated later on is if you've already taken all your official visits and you might not be comfortable with your choices or something happens that drastically changes the situation and you don't have those official visits to take and you're going to have to pay for them, which is going to, I don't know, I guess maybe force you to focus more, more closer to home. I mean, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see just how these things kind of play out for sure. And how do you see UNC using these official visits in terms of like what the visit will be like? Anything different because it's in the summer? Uh, like I kind of said, you're going to have more attention from the staff. Um, obviously, no students in town, no game, no basketball games. Is there any other difference that you're going to see? Yeah. Good or bad, I guess? Um, yeah, I mean, other than the ones you mentioned. I mean, there's not going to be usually for an official visit, there's something that you're focusing on. You know, like yeah. the, the the highlight, usually the, the football game. Or, um, you know, UNC does prefer to have their, their um, official visits actually after the season, but yeah. you know, the, the students are there. So, uh, and, and you usually have a basketball game that you can, can go to. I mean, uh, maybe they go to a baseball game or, or something similar. I right? actually, they won't go to a baseball game because baseball seasons is, is, uh, yeah. um, is basically, over. so yeah, I don't know. Is there something going on? Uh, I mean, baseball's still going on, but the playoffs, I mean, I don't think that's really, well, I doubt be- that'll be the plan to, to send a, uh, recruit to a, a thrilling four-hour baseball game in 95-degree heat. That's um, true. That's and one true. thing I see is, like, you know, a big allure of, of a big state school like UNC is is the nightlife and, and going to parties and, and hanging out with the team socially, and you just don't have much of that in the, um, in the off-season in the summer, you know, going to a fraternity party or a house party or something. I think that's a – that can really – attract you to a school um yeah well what about the fact that maybe this for a school like north carolina which i'm going to try to say this as nicely as possible which isn't known for their stadium experience game day experience maybe this works in unc's favor 
yeah. because, you know, um, you can kind of pump up to a, to an out-of-state kid in particular. You can pump up what the um, fan base is like on game days <laughs> and you do not have to worry about the next day them going to a game in Keenan Stadium and, and seeing whether what you said is true or false. Right. I remember when I was covering recruiting, speaking with the source, uh, someone we both know, they brought recruits, tons of recruits in for a uh, spring game. And it was such a bad crowd, and she didn't expect it, that she was like, I am never bringing um, recruits here again for this, uh, for this, for the spring game. Because it was such and then, a well, and that's why experience. That's one of the main reasons why Fedora went away from doing the spring games is because the fans didn't come out. And so what he would, he would still do some sort of scrimmage for like, I guess some, you know, um, you know, big time boosters and have recruits there and everything like that. But the fact that you don't call a spring game means that the recruits aren't looking in the empty seats and wondering where the fans are at. They know okay, you just say, Oh, this is just a scrimmage. We're not inviting the fans on our spring game, yada, yada. And so, um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was one of the reasons why Fedora went away from the whole spring game thing that, and the, you know, the, field situation and everything like that good stuff all right we're gonna dive into the end part of our podcast now the top five the top five we tasked y'all was the top five uh recruiting areas geographical areas i thought it was a very interesting thing we had um you know talk some about that with with the key of locking down charlotte and greensboro we're not going to read all of them this time uh the submissions the submissions. I thought that was a, a little much. We are going to read, uh, I think, two each. Is that right, Don? Yeah, we'll do two each. We have 12 total submissions, so we didn't surpass last week's uh, 16 for um, – that was actually our record. So, But we, we're up – 12 is a good number, I think. That's right. And so the, before we get into this, the, the um, top five for next week that you need to submit to Don, either on Twitter or on uh, you know private message on, on the website – is the top five incoming freshmen or redshirt freshmen that will have the most impact on UNC next season. Um, that can be any position, any player, as long as they have not played yet. Well, actually, they could play the four games and still redshirt. So it could be a yeah. guy who's played four games last season as a true freshman who's coming back for his redshirt freshman season. I kind of forgot about that rule for a second until you yeah. brought it up. So I think like a linebacker like um, – Oh, the guy from Georgia, I forgot his name. He might have a big impact this year. Could be a guy. All right. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll start here. I will start with our first submission. Dale from Waxhaw. Uh, his top five geographical territories for UNC recruiting is Metro Charlotte, the RTP, which would be, I guess, the Triangle region. Number three is a Triad. Uh, Greensboro, went to salem High Point. Number four is Northeast Florida. Very specific there with Jacksonville. Uh, and then number five is Tidewater, Virginia. All right. I'm going to go um, show a little favoritism here. Kevin in Holly Springs actually lives in my neighborhood. And right. so I'll give him a little favor here. Um, his top five, Charlotte, Tidewater, Eastern North Carolina, Triad, Atlanta. Are we going to, do you think we're going to see Charlotte for number one for everyone? I think it looks like. This I, th- I think so. I think that's just, I mean, Fedora really focused on there. And I think Mac is too. You didn't read uh, Kevin's uh, reasoning. Oh, I'm sorry. So uh, for number two, Tidewater, Mac was very successful in this area before and getting recruits from there helps UNC while also hurting Virginia Tech in Virginia. Makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, Number four, Triad, keep Virginia out of there. Virginia Tech out of there. Virginia Tech out of there. I'm sorry. 
And number five, Atlanta, Georgia, Clemson, Georgia, Clemson, and other SEC schools will dominate the area, but there is still enough talent there and close enough to NC that it should be a priority. I completely agree. There you go. All right. All right. I'll read the second one. I'll do uh, Chris from Burlington, North Carolina. Uh, number one, Charlotte area should be ground zero for your UNC recruiting. Number two, triad. Uh, Greensboro and Winston-Salem producing lots of talent as of late and should be an in-state priority. Number three, Tidewater, Virginia. Dre Bly, he just wrote, he just wrote Dre Bly. Virginia Tech recruiting slipping in there and it's ripe for us to take over. Number four, the greater Atlanta, Buford area, et cetera. Lots of recruiting success here recently, a talent hotbed. And the triangle area, number five, Raleigh-Durham, surrounding areas. Need to get our share of hometown talent um, and he, at 5A, he put South Florida. Too much talent to not have a presence there. All right. So for my last one, I'm going to go with a uh, our regular. I think he submitted every single time we've had a top five. Jonathan from Charleston, South Carolina. Number one, of course, is Charlotte. Number two, Wake County. Number three, Tidewater. Number four, Greensboro. And number five, Central Florida. All right. All right. So, now it's our go- turn. Yes. Who's going first? Uh, you can go first. You got okay. the drum roll ready? I, I have the drum roll already. It's going to be a good one. It's not going to be as, as, as bad as last week, for sure. I've tested this one. All right. So we're do, just going to do every other, right? You're going to go your straight five, or we're going to alternate? Well, let's alternate. Okay. All right. Start with, start with five or one? Five. Five. Okay. We got to leave up to the suspense, even though I think we're both going to have Charlotte. So, okay. um. Number five, I actually thought with my number five that I was going to be, I guess, a little bit of a wild card here with this. But a lot of there was a there was a few people who had Central Florida, which is what my, my selection is. And the reason why I went Central Florida as opposed to South Florida um, or some other areas is that Central Florida, I feel like, is an area that there is no strong allegiances to any other parts of Florida. It's, it's far, far enough away from. Miami and Florida State and Florida to where you can, you know, schools can come in here and actually pull pull big time players out of, out of here. And North Carolina proved that a couple of uh, classes ago when they landed um, Ed Montillis, um, I'm forgetting other names, Antoine William Green Barnes. and William Barnes. William Barnes is the name I, I couldn't remember. Uh, pulled those three guys. Two of them were four stars. Um, in one situation. Um, you know, Florida was, I guess, the projection for a while. Florida, the other one was committed to uh, to Florida State for for um, a little bit. But um, it's an area where if you have a good recruiter in that area, like North Carolina had with with Chad Scott, you could definitely pull top guys out of that area. Okay, good, <laughs> good answer there. Um, mine is Greensboro at number five, so I probably have them a little lower than a lot of other, and I'm including that Greensboro, the the triad area. Um, I have that a little lower than probably a lot of people, but I think some of the reasons that earlier submitters said, you know, keeping that away from Virginia Tech, and there's a lot of talent in Dudley and Page and Grimsley in the upcoming classes. Um, it's so close that the best players out of out of Greensboro and Winston Salem should be coming to UNC um, rather than the other in-state ACC schools. All right, number four, Don. All right, my number four is Atlanta in particular. Gwinnett County. I, I think it's difficult. I know a couple of people put um, Atlanta Metro. I just think it's difficult for you to have one recruiter for the entire area. I think you have to 
kind of split it up at least in half, if not um, in thirds or fourths. But um, Gwinnett County in particular, so that, that northeast area just seems to have a ton of talent. It also has a ton of people. If you're driving around there, make sure you um, have enough time to get around. Um, North Carolina has you – know, another poster actually you know, has um, you know, said exactly my thoughts on it, is that there's, it's just impossible for North Carolina to dominate that, that area. Uh, just because of its location in SEC country, close to you know uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, all that sort of stuff, but North Carolina has been able to pull out some second tier guys out of there who have been really impactful on North Carolina's program. You know, um, you know, like Donnie Miles and um, you know a couple of other guys that, who have had some success, uh, who are who will have some some success. You know, like uh, Trey Shaw or uh, Malik Robinson, and those sort of things. Um, well, Robinson left, but. Um, Anyway, um, so yeah, so it's an area that North Carolina might not, will, will, will probably not get the top guys, but definitely can get those, uh, those second tier guys that can really kind of help the program for sure. Yeah, they've been kind of having a little uh, pipeline with Buford uh, and North Yeah, Buford, Buford's another one that I completely forgot, but yes, Buford's in, in Gwinnett County. And, so and, and go how, is you, how is UNC uh, recruiting that area in terms of the amount of coaches and how they're dividing it up? Do you know? With, with, um, not just Gwinnett, but just the greater Atlanta. They have three coaches that, that actually recruit that area. Alani Galloway has that, I guess, uh, I think it's to Cobb and, and Fulton County. So that, um, that Northwest area. Um, and then, uh, Robert Gillespie's recruiting that has the Gwinnett area right there. Um, and then, um, Oh, uh, Tommy Thigpen has has an area in Georgia that kind of touches that area, and so does uh, Stacey Sherrill's. That, that kind of sort of touches that that lower part of uh, Atlanta Metro. All right, good stuff. Moving along, my number four is Raleigh and Wake County. It includes you know Durham, even though I don't think there's there's not a huge amount of talent in Durham and, and Chapel Hill, but that Wake County area is growing in population. Uh, there have been some players there. A lot of them have gone to uh, NC State. So that's definitely a competitive area for UNC, and I think it's it's outside of Charlotte. It's the obviously the, the most highly populous area, and being so close to UNC, the, it's certainly the area they should focus on. Okay, Don, your number three. My number three. Well, just a, you mentioned Durham real quick. Uh, you know, it has not been producing talent for the last few years, but for a while there, it was it was a stop every every year. They had a bunch of guys. Um, you know, particularly Hillside and, um, and Southern, and even Jordan High School. You know, they would have some guys for sure. Um, but yeah, so my number three is actually I went with the triad, and I know that that North Carolina actually breaks it up into the Greater Greensboro area and the Winston Salem area, and that's just because um, you know it has the you know ten coaches obviously in state. I think out of state schools probably group them together. But um, we mentioned this on the last podcast, and and a couple of other posters mentioned this. It's an hour away from North Carolina. Winston Salem's a little bit more than that, and so it's it's the closest. Um, area where you're where it's um, consistently producing talent close to North Carolina so really North Carolina has has got to keep schools like Virginia Tech out of that area if it wants to be successful and then also it has proven to produce some some top guys you know uh, we we talked about last week with Miles Murphy for this class and Peyton Page for the next class and and Travis Shaw for the class after that these are all national recruits and Page and and um and Travis Shaw's situation, I mean, those are going to be big, big, big time blue chippers. So um, those are areas that, that definitely is an area that definitely produces talent. So North Carolina definitely needs to make that a priority. 
All right. My number three is I just put Florida as a whole. I know that's uh, kind of cheating, uh, but Central Florida and South Florida, I think, should be should remain huge recruiting areas for UNC. They've been able to get talent out of the whole state at various times in the last 10 years or so. I thought losing Chad Scott was a big hit to the recruiting. He was big time in Central Florida from there and had definitely made inroads with a lot of recruits during his uh, tenure at UNC. I thought they should have kept him on staff. But um, I think they should – I mean, Florida is one of the uh, most dense areas for recruiting. There's tons of talent all through the state, and I think it definitely should be up there at number three. All right, my number two is the Tidewater area. Uh, you know, it, it it always has talent, and um, and most years um, it has some of the, the nation's best talent. And, and and actually, it's because of its location. I, I don't want to say it's difficult to recruit, but it's it's um, when you go to the Tidewater area, you're going there specifically for the Tidewater area. Um, so for North Carolina, it's close enough to where UNC can easily recruit it very heavily. And when you have a guy on staff like Dre Bly, they're really, you know, UNC should be getting everybody out of there in years to come. Yeah, and, and it's kind of weird, but the Tidewater area is closer to Chapel Hill than it is to Virginia Tech. Yes. And yeah. even Vir- it's, it's probably equidistance to, Vir- to Charlottesville. Yeah. Um, Charlottesville might be a little bit closer, but. Uh, but, that's, was- but that's what I'm saying. It's just, it's kind of like a weird sort of location because it's just kind of tucked in there in the corner. Yeah, and it's really close to North Carolina border. I don't know too yes. much about that area. I didn't include it in my top five uh, just because, I mean, that's that's a time when UNC dominated recruiting there with Mac Brown. I mean, I, was, I wasn't I was even aware of football recruiting. So I just don't have a knowledge of, of UNC pulling players from there. Gotcha. Um, okay, number two. I have the Atlanta area and the suburban Atlanta metro area there. I think since I've been covering recruiting, Georgia and the Atlanta area has been huge for UNC. I think it's still, like like you've said, like some posters said, it's still a super valuable area, and there's tons of talent. It's growing. Uh, it's probably one of the fastest-growing areas in the United States, and football is so big there. They should be getting five, six players from there, if not more, a year. I think it should be, outside of the in-state players, it should be the second biggest um, place where they can they can get some talented players that some of the SEC schools miss out on. Uh, fairly close to UNC, and UNC has the allure of, you're a little bit better academics in some of the SEC schools. Um, so you can tell all, I mean, all schools are recruiting there. All schools uh, below the Mason-Dixon line are, are definitely recruiting Atlanta very heavily. And there's a, there's a reason why. Okay, you're number one, Don. My number one. Is Charlotte. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's guaranteed every single year Charlotte's going to have a lot of really good recruits. I, I'd have to go back and actually look, but I know that a few years ago I went and kind of tracked just where the top, um, top player from in-state was located, and the majority of the years it was from Charlotte. It's, it's one of the most competitive areas. Um, you know, it has some of the, great, the, the best football programs in Mallard Creek and Myers Park and Huff. Uh, you know, and, and then even the you know, private schools in North Carolina aren't very good, but in Charlotte, they're actually really good um, with Charlotte Latin and um, Charlotte Country Day and Charlotte Christian. I mean, and then really, if you're just if you just, you know, go outside the Charlotte borders and just the greater Charlotte area into 
Gaston County and to Cleveland County and to um, Union County and to uh, Cabarrus County. I mean, they all have tons of talent. So, yes, it's in-state. It's an area that North Carolina has got to have its best um, uh, recruiters on and has got to consistently land some of the top recruits from that uh, that area in order for it to to be successful. Good stuff. And mine is Charlotte as well. Uh, nothing much more I can say that you haven't touched on. Um, critical to to beat out the likes of NC State and South Carolina and Tennessee. Uh, keep them out of Charlotte. It's an in-state city, and there's a lot of UNC fans there. So there's a lot of Chapel Hill, Tar Hill influences there. And like you said, tons of talent. All right, guys, that is it for us. Unless you have anything else, Don? No, just um, you know, we're going to con- continue to uh, post some stories that what we talked about last week. Also continue to do updates with the signees. Camp season's right around the corner. I'm sure we'll start to talk about that in, in one of our next uh, podcasts. So that's basically it for me. Do you have any visits, any trips in the next uh, week or so? I don't. Uh, most of the high schools have uh, ended their spring practices, and um, I think we're basically done with with seven on sevens um, tournaments at least until the to, until the summer. I think this is kind of like the the period where everyone's kind of resting and getting ready for the the summer camping circuit. Good stuff. That's it for us here on the Inside Carolina Podcast. Presented to you by Johnny T-shirt. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks.